Do you ever hear the alarm go off and think, ugh, five more minutes? Well, you are not alone. Welcome to the Life as a Team Sport podcast, where we will take the concepts from sports and apply them to everyday life. So whether you're an athlete, a former athlete, the mom of an athlete, or just love watching sports, we invite you to come along with us as we explore family, faith, fitness, and have a lot of fun doing it. This is a podcast by the women of sport for the women of sport. Good morning. This is Patricia and I'm here with Becky. Good morning, Patricia. How's it going? It's going great. I've got my coffee here and I'm ready to go. Wait, I just finished mine. Yes, that's perfect. Well, today I want to get right into it because we have a lot to talk about. So just a quick overview before we do Becky's highlight reel. Um, We are going to talk about self-sabotage, which is a huge topic. And I think probably, hopefully we'll get to everything today. And if not, maybe we'll circle back around to it at some point. Becky and I are here. We don't have a guest today, but like I said, we've got lots to talk about. So um, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to talk about self-sabotage as it relates to athletes and then as it relates to us as adults and then also us as moms. So with all of that uh, coming up first, Becky, share something from your highlight reel for us. Awesome. Yes. So my highlight reel today is about my living room because it has been repainted. We put a fresh coat of paint on it after eight years in this house. And then we decided to decorate a little bit with pictures and I wanted to get some pillows and throws. And actually, I didn't know what I wanted to get. So my girlfriend, Deb, came over one day and I was just telling her, oh, I really want to decorate this living room, but I really don't know what to do. I, I enjoy looking at other people's houses and online, but I don't know what to do. So she just was like, hey, want to go out tonight? I don't have anything. So I was like, okay. So she and I went out and she helped me look at textures and colors and patterns and so I got curtains and I, and I got two throws and I got some pillows for the couches and it sounds so silly, but the peace in that room now and the, the completeness, I guess you could say is like really awesome. And I just love that. It's so um, comfortable to sit in there together as a family and just to enjoy the space. So that is my highlight reel. I'm loving just sitting on this couch, reading a book, playing games with my kids, and um, just enjoying it. And I'm so thankful, Patricia, because that I have a friend named Deb, and she'll get to listen to this, that has those skills and she enjoys it. So I'm just thankful that she was like, took the time to say, hey, I'll take you. Let's go. And so every woman needs a friend like that when you're a little colorblind, like me, I think, and you just need a little help in that department. So, yeah, for sure. Well, there's something that's just... Um... I don't know. I, I, the idea of having a complete room and, you know, like an adult space, I know that sounds weird, but you can have all your furniture in there, but once you have it kind of decorated a little bit more, it feels more put together. That's exactly it. And then yesterday, funny, funny part to the highlight reel, Patricia, was that my daughter was taking a pillow and they're, they're gigantic pillows. They're like huge, really comfy pillows. And she was taking one from that room over to the computer desk, which in our house is about, you know, 20 feet away. But my husband and I both looked at her and pointed and said, no, 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 pillows on the couch, pillows on the couch. (laughs) And she had to walk it back. 
and put it on the couch because we want that room to stay complete. And we want to teach them, as I do anyway, that, you know, it's good to have things in their places and and things are happy when in their places. And that's something in the Pineo home we're working on, putting things away and putting things where they go to keep that nice, um, comfortable, manageable, organized flow in our house. So yeah. it's taken eight and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a work in progress. That's how yeah. it is at my house as well. But yeah. okay, so how much did you spend to make that change, if you don't mind me asking? Because it doesn't sound like you bought a bunch of furniture or did a bunch of, it was like the little things. No, well, it was only only $200. I got six, okay. no, two, four, six, eight curtains. Okay. I got two packs of four huge, they're darkening and heat keeping in curtains Oh, nice! because we have a huge front window. And so we, I wanted to keep the heat in. That's where the most money went was the curtains. Yeah. And then the pillows and the two throws were um, really not very much. So it was very exciting. I really needed curtains. But then once I figured out the curtains, I really wanted to make the room complete. Oh, and I found four, no, three pictures, big, yeah. big um, pictures to put on the wall. And so... Um, yeah. So it was just $200. And so my budget was, I didn't, I had a semi budget. Yeah. I never want to spend too much because I'm pretty frugal, but I wanted it to be nice because in my mind, I don't know how our audience is, but it's going to stay on the wall and those curtains are going to be there possibly eight years, like the last <laughs> curtains, right? Yeah. So if you break it down to $200 for eight years, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. It doesn't actually take a lot of money in order to pull a room together, but I think you know, we're getting ready to talk about self-sabotage. I think some of the thought patterns that I've had, at least in the past, is like, well, you know, well, we can't afford it right now. Or, you know, you just, you spiral when you don't really need to. And if you just took a little bit of time and a little bit of money, you could totally pull together something that doesn't feel pulled together. Yes. And that's exactly it. And I'm glad you said the self-sabotage word because that's what I've done for eight years, I think, is that, oh, I don't know how to do it. I'm not good at it. It won't look good. It, it, those are all verbiage that we're going to talk about. So sure. here we go. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Well, so now that we're on the subject... Um, we were going to start off talking about this as athletes um, because, you know, that's kind of we pull everything back to athletics just a little bit and then relate it back to life here on the show. And Becky and I both grew up as athletes. So what were some of the ways that you saw yourself self-sabotaging as an athlete? And maybe you didn't even realize it in the moment, but looking back, you can see it. Uh, definitely my eating habits as an athlete growing up were not the best. And I think that as kids, kids are like that because they like to eat fun, fast food and ice cream. And, and that's not bad. And, and it's, there's a healthy relationship with food. But as an athlete, I noticed that I would eat it like right before practice or after a game, after working really hard, it was like a celebratory, like I can eat whatever I want. And that's not horrible. There's a way to do that. But food doesn't have to be that. So I, I did, I did do that not as well. I think in high school, I would just eat um, food that was, didn't even make me feel good. But at the time I thought, because I could do it. I right. Did. Right. Well, and then you wonder why you feel like crap and, Cause you're eating it. <laughs> and you don't, <laughs> as a young athlete though, you don't necessarily relate that back to what you ate. You're right. just, Oh, well, you know, I don't, I didn't feel good that game. And then, and then you start making excuses for stuff and you don't even understand that you did it to yourself. <laughs> 
Exactly. What are ways you saw as a as an athlete in high school, maybe college? Um, I think as a younger athlete, I played the blame game a lot. So I would, you know, I would do my best probably in the moment, but I hadn't actually prepared the way that I should. And so then it would be somebody else's fault why I didn't get the ball enough or why I didn't score or why that girl got by me because, you know, such and such didn't do their job. And, you know, as a young athlete, it's easy to fall into those thought patterns. And it took several coaches, um, I think, really pulling me aside and explaining that we don't do that and why we don't do that for me to even see what I was doing because I didn't even see it as a young athlete. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And to teach our own kids that things right. like lessons yeah. that we've learned. That's good. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, those two things kind of as we move into the adult adulting years, um, those thought patterns stay with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I I heard someone talking about this recently and they said that our brain creates pathways. Yes. And those pathways will stay there until we change them. So, for example, if you go outside my house, I have a sidewalk that leads to my driveway. But if you walk across the grass, you can get to the garage faster. And so there's become this path that has started yep. to be well worn across the grass because it's just easier to do yep. that instead of walk on the sidewalk to the driveway and then turn and go to the garage. And the same thing happens in our brain. If we take a path, if we create a path in our brain, our brain doesn't know that that path wasn't really supposed to be there and it becomes this pattern. Right. And you know what, Patricia, that's funny. You mentioned that we must've listened or watched to something very similar because <laughs> I just, I just heard that as well, but I also related it back to in college, a uh, corn, Cornwell, corn, corn. What's that? Very um, amazing college. But we, we went Cornell? up there. Cornell, Cornell, Cornell University. We went up there and they talked about why they had cement pathways all across their, their um, quad. Mm. So a quad is normally big area of grass, right? Well, they left the grass out there. You're going to have to correct me. I have to look the story up, but it is, it is something like this. They watched where all the students would walk, right? And then they made the sidewalks because the kids did exactly what you just said. They walked across in certain directions to get to certain places. And that's why the quad has cement pathways all over and nobody walks through the grass, those grassy spots anymore, because they made the cement pathways where the students were walking. Yeah, that's so interesting. So then if you think about that, about your own thought patterns, you do that. We do that, right? And then it's a matter of recognizing that like the people at Cornell observed ahead of time where people were walking and then made the pathways there. But so many times we do it backwards Yes, where we create a pathway and then we're like, Oh wait, was that supposed to be there? I don't really know. Exactly. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. So as we have mindfulness, cause that's mindfulness is being mindful mm-hmm. of our thoughts and our emotions without giving into them. So that's another good thing within this is to be mindful it, it doesn't mean emptying your mind. It just means being thoughtful of what you're thinking. And then why are we thinking that way to then be able to change those patterns? And I, it's funny because I do that with my 10 year old lately, you know, think, what are you, what are you feeling? Why are you feeling this? Where's it coming from? Be mindful. Like he's mm-hmm. only 10, but like you got to start at some point so that they can start realizing why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Yeah. There's definitely a need for 
awareness, right? Like mm-hmm. even with your example as a young athlete with their eating habits mm-hmm. and how that affected your body and how that affected your performance the next day, you need to be aware that that's what's causing it. And like me with mm-hmm. my blame game, I needed to be aware mm-hmm. of what I was doing because I just wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. as an, you want to do an older athlete example? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'll give you my adult athlete example. And that is this, there's a Spartan race. Uh, many women and men know what Spartan races are. Well, my neighbors about um, early COVID, we ended up connecting with them and they live about a block or two away behind our house. And my son and daughter and husband and I started doing these Spartan workouts with them. That's what they call them. It's, it's some exercises. Then we run in the neighborhood and we do some exercises in the driveway. Love it. So it's a way for our family to exercise. Well, we did that through the summer and now the winter came and we, you know, winter's tough. We're not outside. It's freezing. And so my friend texted me and said, Hey, do you want to do the Philadelphia Spartan race in the end of October? Right. And I'm just like, well, so I had all these questions as all these ways to more or less excuses probably to not do it. Hmm. So I feel like I've already, and, and I guess where I'm going with this is that there's fear of failure. There's fear of commitment. I have fear of control that I won't be able to control how I do or if something comes up that day. So I'm actually working through this as well right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm teetering. I'm really close to clicking sign up and doing this race, but I'm working through self-sabotage right now as we Mm. speak about why I do or do not want to do this race. Yeah. So let's back that up and unpack those. Because I feel like you just listed off a whole bunch of different things that we do that are self-sabotage. So what was the first thing that you said? Fear of failure. Okay. So fear of failure, I think, is a real thing. And not only do we – fear of failure sounds simple, but I think there's a lot inside of fear of failure. Um, And so sometimes we fear our own failure, right? And so – In the case of this, you know, am I going to be able to do the race well, right? Spartan races have a lot of different pieces, right? That's the one where you flip the tire and you traverse the monkey bars and you climb the wall and right. That's, that's what we're talking about. Yes. And then among that, you, you're also running a race. What is it? Is it like a 5k? It's a 5k. Okay. We're going to do the 5k. Yeah. Okay. And how many obstacles are, are in there? There's going to be 20. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds intimidating, right? Yeah. And so fear of failure could be just a matter of like, am I going to finish the race? Am I going to be able to do all the obstacles? Right. I mean, that seems legitimate depending on, you know, your level of fitness and, and where you feel like you stand as far as what the obstacles are. Right. I mean, I'm picturing Mm -hmm. some like American Ninja Warrior stuff. Like that's hard. That's hard (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Well, as a woman, it's the monkey bars and the um, grip strength. Those are the two that my friend and I are like, well, those would be the two that we're going to really have to train for slash maybe not get to them, like maybe not finish them. Then you got to do like 30 burpees, which isn't the end of the world. I'm an adult. It's okay. I'm not racing for the money prize or the podium. I'm, And that's the other thing we're going to go into is what are we <laughs> racing for? Right. So, But back to, you know, we so fear of failure. And then I think my second one, Unless you want to add anything to fear of failure. Well, yeah. I mean, I think let's add to that a little bit because sometimes it's not the performance part of it that we fear failing. Sometimes it's something else. So for example, like I know we've talked about this. And so the schedule part of it, right? Like you're signing up for a race that's happening 
months from now like what else could possibly be happening and do you schedule it will you have a conflict like yeah yeah what happens in your brain as far as that goes right exactly it's eight months away these are things that we don't think through and well that we're thinking through and the other thing with this Patricia being so far away is that it's the control aspect of Mm. self-sabotage like we're saying is that I'll just wait and get closer but it then the registration closes. There's only like 20 spots. Okay. You know, and the other thing with this for women that are listening is that a lot of women like me need other people to work out with slash need a race or something to compete in to get ourselves moving. So I know some, and some women work out alone. A lot of women do like, it's just kind of your, what you're into. Mm -hmm. So I realize I know I need other people and I possibly need a goal set. Uh, yeah. Like this, like a race so that I know I have to work out each day to then, you know, get right. This. So if you, if you don't end up signing up for one, then there's less commitment on your part in order to go out and work out. Yes. So <laughs> there's some self-sabotage there as well. I'm seeing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what was your second thing? The second thing was um, control. It's, control. it's commitment, commitment and that we did a commitment, but control. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to unpack in that. Yeah. <laughs> I well, see you know, those, we don't have to unpack me today. <laughs> I see. I, well, I see those tendencies in myself, right? Like I want to be able to control my environment. So be it signing up for a race or be it setting some other kind of goal. It's like, am I going to be able to control all the pieces of this? And if I'm not, that seems a little bit scary then to commit to something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that, those are all really good things. And I guess I could just add one more thing. And this is really goes into the adult um, aspect of what we're talking about today, but we are adults and we're talking about commitment and, and self-sabotage is what others think going back to the, mm-hmm. who cares what they think, who cares what they think, because we are wrapped up in what other people see and what other people think of us. And we, I know for myself, I have to step back a lot and just say, who cares? Because I know before God, because that's who I live before is, am I doing before him who's watching me and who's with me? Is that best for myself and my family? Not what my neighbors think, my best friends think, my coworkers think, but those are real, real things. And Patricia and I speaking to our audience is that, we are both very driven, committed, intentional women. And so we do pack our plates, but we're very intentional so that we can give our best to those things. Right. Yeah. Well, someone recently, I read that they said, uh, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yes. I love <laughs> it. Be yourself because everyone else is taken. Oh, right. So and, and I love that. But that's that, like, have freedom in that instead of finding restrictions in making sure that you're making everyone else happy find freedom in being yourself because if you don't you're going to be uh, constrained and held back by everyone else's opinion and listen you're not gonna be able to please everybody you're just not never and in trying to do that you will make yourself crazy oh yes I think that's part of the outcome of self-sabotage is that we make ourselves crazy. Mm -hmm. We give ourselves shame. That's not, that's not good. Toxic shame. You could call it toxic guilt. Um, We make others around us crazy 
because oh, yeah. look how long it's going to take me to make a decision of its indecisiveness. And, you know, where we could work. That's another thing with self-sabotage is indecisiveness that hurts us in the long run, because at the end of the day, click sign up and do the race, you know, <laughs> and honestly, that's where I'm going, obviously, with this. However, I feel like it's such a topic that women and, you know, the world we all deal with. However, it's just neat to unpack. I love that word. And then work through um, pivoting. There's another good word into how we can actually do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And even so an example like for us is starting this podcast. Yep. We could have procrastinated. Right. Exactly. But I do think that having someone along the journey with you makes a big difference. And so we encourage each other in our different things that we have, right? Like we each have things that hold us back, but my things are different than Becky's things. And so Becky's able to encourage me and I'm able to encourage her and that accountability piece and that, um, and that encouragement piece, I think goes a long way and you can apply that to pretty much anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I really second that it really, again, goes back to relationships and who we have in our corner. And we do say this a lot, but it's very true. And that our, you know, the two or three people in our corner are key, are very key to our success. So do we want to talk about um, being a mom and what what we do there? Because Patricia, we do have a good, a couple of good things I really want to share. Go ahead. Yeah. So As a mom, I think um, self-sabotage as far as my own stuff, I think there are a lot of times where I put myself on the back burner, be that my eating habits, my exercise habits, or even my ability to take a time out. This has been a common (laughs) theme for me, and I know I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast already, but um, being willing to take a step back and take a few moments for myself I've found that when I come back, I am much nicer. I am a much more patient person in dealing with my husband and my kids. And so um, in my mind, I need to make room and make allowances for myself to be able to do that. Because if I don't, then I just continue spiraling and it's, it's not good or healthy for anybody. So true. So true. And you know what, Patricia, I was speaking with a friend the other day about um, taking that, realizing that what you need, like you did, and then being mindful and intentional. Intentional was my word one year, but it's true. Being intentional with when we do the timeouts. Like I have a friend who um, needs sunshine in the winter because of depression and, and things like that. And they have been intentional enough to go to a sunny place every year for like the past maybe five or 10 years now on their own. They tell other people if they want to come, please come, but I'm going and I will be here at this time. I have room for this many. And if you'd like to come, feel free, but they've, they've really, they've done that. And they're a mom of three and they have a lot of responsibilities, but they have figured out that if they don't get that for their health, for their own health, they just spiral out of control. Uh, For me, I, I've said this before, but I really feel like I, I learned this about 10 years ago when I had, my kids were really little, probably like two and four, they're eight and 10 now that. For me as a mom, I would be like, no, I can't work out. I can't go to this. I got to be here for my kids. I got to do this. And that's great. But when I started getting my workouts better, like even if it was once a week, just doing something for myself once to twice a week workout wise, aside from my job, because I'm a PE teacher, so I move all day, but it's different. It's just different than, you know, 
I was the better person. I was the best person of me, you know, the best, uh, what's the word? The best, um, best version of yourself, best version of myself. Yeah. And you know, my husband noticed that my friends, I think probably noticed it, didn't say anything, but, um, you know, and I noticed it. So I just give that kind of call to all, to moms, especially with kids, because we do put ourselves on the back burner and it's good to, um, take care of our body and mind and spirit. And then that way we're able to do it for everybody else. Yeah. But I did find I did self-sabotage a lot when my kids were young Mm -hmm. for exercise. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say the last thing for me, as you were talking, I, I was thinking, I also intentionally get up early every morning and have personal time with God. Because for me, that calms my mind and my spirit and allows me to be able to focus on what I need to later on in the day. And so I spend time uh, meditating and praying and reading God's word. And and for me, that just sets up my day for success. Yes, I, you know, I'm with you. I'm an early bird and it does change my whole day. And it just instills that I'm not in control and that God is in control. And um, it definitely, I, I'm, I'm there with you. Yeah. The one thing that we did want to talk about a little bit, Patricia, that you had made a comment to me one time was about our kids mm. and helping them recognize if you could share. That was really insightful. You were sharing that with me. Yeah. Well, I think that the more we recognize these tendencies in ourselves, the easier it gets to be able to recognize them in our children because we spend so much time with them. And so the one thing that my kids have said to me over the years that just irks me and I see it as that <laughs> as that pattern, right? As that self-sabotage right. pattern. So they'll get done with, I mean, it could be anything. It could be a sport or a board game or a, anything. And they go, don't get the outcome that they want. They lose. And so they'll come back and say, well, I wasn't trying anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. So... What? No, no, no. You always no. do your best. And if you yes. don't get the outcome you want, that's okay. You go back and you do your best again. You don't come back and make excuses and say that you weren't trying because that's a thought pattern that will drag you down. Yeah. And you know what, Patricia, that does? It negates the person who won. Mm. It takes away from the person who won that, that I I just thought of that because that's what it is. Like we're playing board games last night and my son lost again (laughs) to my husband and he says, well, I just never win and did all this stuff. And, And it just, you take away from the person who won. Yeah. Can you expand on what I'm trying to say? Because because I just can't get any more words, but I yeah, can well, see it. Yeah, well, it's not, you're not respecting the game and you're not respecting your competitor. And that's important in the process of competing is having that respect for the game and respect for your competition. That's what it is. That's what it is. My coworker was actually saying something like that at work the other day. We were talking about this because exactly the respecting others and being a good competitor. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so respecting the the game and respecting the um the competitor and then also um making sure that you are helping them to recognize what it is that they're doing and helping them to learn how to have healthier thought patterns. Yeah, the healthy thought patterns goes right into um, procrastination and having good time management mm. because I know myself, honestly, I'm a procrastinator. I realized it in college when I would wait till the last night to do the paper. It's like, why didn't I do it two weeks ago? You know, <laughs> however, I'm not adult, no more papers right now, but seeing that in our kids mm. and helping them to not procrastinate, to have good time management. And something I heard or read was eat the frog, eat the frog. Why mom, why do you say that? Because it means do the things you don't want to do right away in the morning. If you can, 
so that you don't have to think about it all day. And like, oh, I got to do the dishwasher. I got to do the dishes. And it helps with family dynamics where we're not nagging and, 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 um, you know, being on the kids all day, just get up, do the chores. Let's move on with the day. Right. I th- eat the frog. <laughs> I think there's done. a book called that. Eat the it frog. Probably is. <laughs> <laughs> I fun. like that. So, anyway, this has been really fun. And honestly, this has been really insightful and helpful for myself yeah. um, as well, Patricia. However, there's a couple of things I know we wanted to share and how, how to combat this, right? Like, right. how can we help right. each other? Yeah. So now you recognize <laughs> that you have self-sabotage. Yeah. So what now? So what now is finding ways to combat it. And I know for me, Patricia, this was early on when I realized this was creating a journaling habit. Mm. And that has helped me so much because there's no rules when you journal. Sometimes I put a word and then I put lines out to it. It's the type of graph, I'm sure. But I just put little blurbs of, of I put fear and I put of others, my husband or losing and, you know, or journaling um, names of people and why I struggle with different things. Mm. But no one knows sure. because there's no rules and no one sees my journal. Right. Right. So getting it out on paper of, what's going on has been helpful for me. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I think just identifying those tendencies, whether you journal, whether you have a therapist that you talk to, you know, whatever that mode is, identifying that best way for you to be able to process those things is crucial. Yes, definitely. And then the other one I was thinking about was not having regrets, but, but learning to fail. So if you, if you, when you fail, you, you just say, whoops, I didn't do it well. I'm going to do it again. And you learn from it. You fail forward. Mm. You fall forward when you fail instead of regretting it. Like with the Spartan race, I was thinking this, if I don't do it in five years or a year, I'm going to be like, well, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do it? Like right. put myself out there and let's go. Like I'm athletic. I'm very competitive. And you know, it's just time. My kids are eight and 10. They can do the race with me yeah. or not. And I can still do the race. So, right. you know, just you know, go with, go with being able, being able to fail and be okay with it instead of regretting right. your life. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think your kids will learn a lot by watching you do that too, because you have to remember that you are setting an example for them in everything that you do and in everything that you don't do. And so yes. why not be a good example of someone who is confident enough to fail? Yeah. More is caught than taught. That's it. There's another phrase for you, right? That's because it. it's true. They, they, they see us, they watch us. And a lot of people don't like that, but I'm a, I'm a teacher and I get it. Like, I'm like, they are watching me mm-hmm. whether I know it or not. Yeah. And especially our kids. Yeah. So definitely. So, um, yeah. So I think identifying tendencies and identifying our thought patterns, right. Mm-hmm. And then being able to process yep. through them. And then I think identifying what we really want, you know, like what do, what is it that you are really wanting and then being able to set those goals and go after those things. Yes. And along with that is making small, meaningful changes mm-hmm. because they will compound onto each other, just like money with compound interest, but little small changes each day. Get up early, get up, get up about five minutes earlier each day, then make it 10, then make it 15 until you're able to get up and have 15 minutes of time to yourself if that's what you need. Right. So just making those small changes. And the one thing we didn't say yet, well, we've said, but let's say it is finding that one or two people to encourage you, Mm. to support you, that you can be real with, that you don't feel that they're going to guilt you or shame you. Just say, hey, let's work out tomorrow then. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's having accountability and encouragement along the way. And you need to find people who are willing to push you 
a little bit further out of your comfort zone, but also give you grace at the same time. Because there's going to be days where you didn't get up five minutes early or you didn't make it to the gym. And you know what? That's okay. As long as that doesn't become a pattern, that's okay. And we need to be able to have grace for each other as well as push each other to be better. Yes, exactly. So you know what? It's funny. Can we just do our, should we do our blooper reel? And then, or do our pass the ball? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, there's one more thing though, because you said this to me before we started taping and I want to make sure we highlight it is don't compare. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because um, how did you put it? You were talking about a horse with blinders. Yes. Yes. It's um, it's like horse races. They have blinders on because, so they can only see their race. So we're, we're called to put on our blinders in life so that we don't look at everybody else. When I'm going to do this Spartan, I'm going to put blinders on. I'm going to run as fast as I can. I'm going to lift those things. I'm not going to look to the other women and men around me to how they're doing. I'm going to put my blinders on. I'm going to run my race and I'm going to joy, find joy in the journey of me doing my best. So I'm glad you did say that. That is, that is part of the journey that I learned the past five years was put those blinders on and do your best. Don't look to the right or the left. Yeah. Just get your blinders on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Perfect. All right. Yes. Um, we can get to the blooper reel. And so that's me today. I have another, (laughs) I have another mother of the year moment story. I have lots of those. And so, um, (laughs) this is a good one. So a friend of mine and I love to do home projects together. So you were talking about doing your living room. My friend Kristen and I, when our kids were younger, we used to do a lot of redecorating of rooms, right? Like when your kids are home and I I was working part-time and she was working part-time, but you know, like you got to find projects to do around the house and things that you feel actually get finished because in the bucket dumping stage, nothing's ever done. You know, like you go, you go through a room and the kids have dumped out all the buckets and they look around satisfied that they can see all their toys and they leave. And you're like, what? What? Right. So yeah. Um, And so we used to do a lot of painting and we were over at her house the one day and her two kids are the same age as my two older kids, Josh and Logan. And they were all at school, but I still had Caleb at home. And Caleb was, I don't know, maybe two, two and a half. And he for sure was into everything. And we were painting her son Kyle's room and Caleb was just getting into everything. And we had the paint laying on the floor. And anyway, so we closed and locked the door, just shutting him out. He had plenty of toys out in the hall. There were plenty of things (laughs) for him to do. We thought we had cleaned up everything but he was very insistent on helping he wanted to help paint the room right so he had been walking around with a paintbrush that we let him it was you know dry and clean and you know whatever like sure go you know paint the toy or whatever with nothing well yeah (laughs) yeah we had left spackle sitting outside in the hallway somewhere well he found spackle and managed to get it open and spackled the outside of Kyle's door while we were inside painting the room. So (laughs) when we opened the door, Kyle's door had been spackled everywhere Caleb could reach because he wanted to help paint. (laughs) There you go. There you go. From day one. Oh my gosh. Anyway, yes. Mother of the year. 
we it, it took a little bit of <clears throat> sanding to uh get the door back to its original appearance but <laughs> that's funny oh my goodness now you know he's gonna have to be in a playpen <laughs> oh he used to climb out of those things there was nothing there was nothing <laughs> to keep him to hold him in he's still that kid but that's so yeah. funny oh man so we have loved having this conversation today and i hope that it has been helpful i know as we just really started diving into this conversation ourselves even a couple days ago um there were a lot of things that i even realized tendencies that i have and Um, needing to identify them and write them down and process through them is the only way that I'm going to be able to retrain my brain and retrain those pathways to be able to make healthier habits. And so um, giving you guys some practical advice and identifying those things and identifying those thought patterns and then having accountability, knowing what you want, creating little habits, and then stop comparing yourself to other people truth those are great patricia and just enjoy you know enjoying the process as well mm. is enough is probably the last thing we want to give you is is just enjoying the process because you know what i may not get to all those obstacles when i do the spartan but i'm going to enjoy that i worked eight months and was accountable to a good friend and i'm going to enjoy it I've, and i'm going to decide right now that i'm going to enjoy the process yeah yeah no that's perfect well the last thing we want to do is to pass the ball So do you have someone that you want to pass the ball to? I sure do. I'm going to pass the ball to two women today, and they actually correlate directly to our episode today, and they are Lori Traeger and Lexi Yerger. They are my backyard Spartan friends who I will be doing this race with. And so I'm super excited to shout out to them, pass the ball to them, because they are a true true workout buddies. They encourage me. They set the work up workouts up so we show up and we the whiteboard's done Lexi and her husband Sean have a whiteboard and they're organized and they think through it and then Lori is the one who texts me and says hey we're doing the workout you guys want to come so they're very inviting and they encourage us they've always been welcoming to our family to our kids and our family in a time when we really needed Mm -hmm. it early COVID when um you know, people weren't, we were segregated. They really segregated people and we were outside. So everybody was outside. We felt safe. You know, we were separated, but we were able to work out and have connections with people. And they were able to do that in a safe, friendly, um, healthy way. And so those are my women, Lexi and Lori. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and I am looking forward to working out with you guys the next eight months. You got me girls. So Um, those are my two uh, shout outs. Oh, I love it. Well, I would like to pass the ball to Sarah Adewunmi. She is a good friend of mine and I know she's actually going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Um, She is my board chair for FCA and then she and I are also co-chaplains for a local soccer team. But we have just gotten to know each other over the last couple of years and really in just being able to do life together. And she has been a huge encouragement to me as I've set various goals. I fundraise for um, my job and that can be a very scary thing. That's one of those things that I saw patterns of self-sabotage, especially early on. And she has really just breathed life into me as far as that goes, as well as lots of other things. And so I just really appreciate her and want to shout her out. 
That's awesome. And I get to meet her in a couple of weeks on the show. Yes. And Patricia will will probably get to meet Lori and Lexi at some point, which is really exciting to build our continue to build our community. Yeah. As we do this. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you guys for joining us in our team room today. And if there's something that you would like to hear us talk about on the show or something that you would love to come on the show and share, please let us know. You can email us at lifeisateamsportpodcast at gmail.com and feel free to check out our website as well with lots of great content. And never forget, life is a team sport and you are never alone. Thank you.